Well, what's up, City Hope? You guys excited to be here? Come on, man. Welcome to church. It is good to have you guys in church today. Welcome to our family at every location. You guys that are watching online, all the guys at the correctional facilities, it's so great to have you guys with us today in church. Uh, What an amazing place to start your December, right? As we ramp up and get ready for Christmas, um, just an amazing, amazing weekend that we've already had with Merry Christmas Gulf Coast. Um, And I just wanted to real quick say a big thank you to everybody that was involved, everyone that came out to serve. All of you guys that have already given, all the prayers that have gone up, just thank you guys so much. It was such a big impact that we were able to make on our community. Um, And as you heard, it's going to get better. We've got more to do today that we all get to be a part of, so that's exciting. Um, But I do want to encourage you, along with uh, your campus pastor, Pastor Dale here, um, to, uh, to give. If you haven't given, step out and give, maybe for the first time. Maybe this will be the first time you've ever gone above and beyond and given something toward uh, something like this toward uh, an event like this, then step out today. Maybe this is the, the time for you to do that. Every single one of us have a part to play in this. Um, and ultimately, it's all about bringing hope and love and joy to our community. Um, so I would love it. It would be incredible if 100% of our church were involved in that way. Um, well, I don't know about you, but I'm really, really excited about Christmas every year. It just gets, I'm, I'm okay with Christmas talk and music getting earlier and earlier. Is anybody else okay with that? Like, right, it's okay with me that Hobby Lobby brings out trees in August. That's okay with me. It's okay that radio stations start playing Christmas music in, like, September. I don't know, whenever they are. It's okay with me, right? Um, and there's something about having kids that makes it even more amazing, like when you've got little kids, and, and they're all, like, bubbly and amazing, and the wonder and the magic and all the stuff of Christmas. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a text. Actually, it was about a month and a half ago. It was, like, mid-October. I got a text from my wife. They were, her and the kids were walking through Target, and our middle kid, our, our youngest daughter, Nora, um, she said, she texted me, she said she is like belting out Christmas carols as, she, as they walk through Target. Just, you know, belting it out. You know, with everything she's got, she's just singing it. Like she's just ready, just excited about Christmas. Um, and I, I know some of your kids are like that, and maybe you're like that. I hope that you are. Um, but it made me think of this, and it made me think just, how kids are just so amazing, and, and the way they grab hold of this, and especially Nora and really all of my kids, like they really, really live by the wisdom um, of one of the great theologians of our time uh, that said this, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I mean, seriously, one of the greatest theologians of our day. Everybody knows somebody, the elf, Right? You're with me, Buddy the Elf, right? Any fans, right? And right, isn't this so true? There's just something about the Christmas cheer when you sing, when, you, when there's just this bubbly attitude, this bubbly spirit that just pours out into everyone else. And just, it, you can't help but be contagious. Walking through Target, people are smiling, right, as my daughter's singing. People are laughing and smiling. Ha ha, it's October, right? To me, this is what, as a church, we're meant to be in our community. During this season of Christmas, this is what we're meant to be. We're meant to be people of cheer, people of hope, people of love that ultimately draw people to the hope of Christmas, right, to what it's really, really all about. And that's why, to me, Christmas at City Hope is such an important event. Because what we're going to do is we're all going to come together and we're going to smile and we're going to laugh and we're going to sing a lot of songs together. Even if you can't sing, you're going to sing, right? And we're going to spread this true Christmas cheer. And so whoever you bring with you, whoever you bring with you is going to catch a little bit of that. 
It's going to be contagious. It's going to rub off onto them. And so my challenge to you is this, is invite like crazy. There are a lot of people in our communities, in every single community that we have a campus, there are lots of people. Invite like crazy. But my challenge to you, to every single family at City Hope, is to bring one family. Invite like crazy. Invite everybody. But bring one family. In other words, meet them in the commons, bring them to church, have a seat safe for them, whatever you got to do, be here with them. And then for all of you overachievers in the room, I know there are quite a few, right? You got any overachievers, right? That need to win Christmas, right? That need to out Pinterest, Pinterest, right? They need to outdo it, right? For all of you, bring, bring a family for every service, right? Just bring a different family for every service. Listen, that's my challenge to you. Just bring one family, Okay, invite like crazy, but bring one family. And let's see if we can spread the Christmas cheer this season. All right, are you with me, church? We're going to do this? We're going to do this? All right, let's do it. Well, listen, I'm excited that today we're kicking off this new series, Hope Over Hype. Um, I've been excited about this series for a very, very long time. Um, and here's where I want to kind of kick it off and I want to kind of start. And I, I, would, I would assume that a lot of you um, kind of feel the same way that I feel about this. Um, I don't know about you, but I have a love-hate relationship with this. Uh, would anyone else agree with this? You kind of have a love-hate? And, and, and my guess is, is the hate side of that is that at, at one point in your life, you were stung by this. Like, like you were hurt by this. It, it took your legs out from underneath you and just ruined your day. Am I right? Like there was a moment in your life, there was a moment in time, and let's just real quick at every campus, show of hands, how many of you have ran out of gas before? Side of the road, stuck, calling your wife, calling your husband, calling your dad, right? Just at one point in our life, most of us have been burned by this guy, have been let down, right? Now here's the, here's the million dollar question. This is the one that really gets us is how many of you have done it a second time? You didn't learn your lesson. Right? You didn't, you didn't, you weren't there. And if, I, I just, I have to say this, that, you know, second time, some of you maybe a third time, um, but our very own Pastor Bart Hare is like a solid seven times. <laughs> like he just completed like the holy number. Just, it just happened. Um, listen, but most of us, right, after one time, we kind of, we kind of learn a little bit. We change our ways a little bit. Um, we kind of figure it out, and we don't do it again, right? But here's my, here's my question. Just by, just by maybe applause, let's do applause. When do you refill your car? Okay, when do you refill your car? How many of you guys refill your car at a half a tank? Come on, by, by applause, every campus right now. Okay. A half a tank, really? Like, you're just, you're that safe? Do you stay in the shallow end of the pool? Right? You don't, do, you don't do roller skates or any kind of activities. You're just super safe. Like, I'm not going to go do anything. Nothing with wheels. Like, I'm just, okay, super safe. All right, how many of you guys are a quarter of a tank people? Quarter of a tank people, okay. Yeah, see, that's a good range. That's a good range. There's nothing risky there. There's nothing risky. And then how many of you guys are just adrenaline junkies? Right? I'm in. Like, give it to me way down here, baby. I know just how far below the red line I can go, right? Or, or if you've got the light that comes on, you know, and you're like, okay, I know I've got 30 miles. 
Light comes on, I'm solid. I got 30 miles. Let's see, I went to Walmart. I went to Chick-fil-A. That's 20 miles. I got 10 miles. I'm good, right? And until the thing starts convulsing, then you're like, oh, I probably should get some gas, right? Right? We just love to live right on the edge, right on the cusp, right there. Just risky, adrenaline junkie type of people, right? Here's the thing about hope. Hope is to the human spirit what fuel is to a car. Hope is the thing that propels us forward. Most of us would agree with this. We would, we would understand this and get this, that hope is what gets us to the next day. It's what gets us to the next season, right? Without hope, we're not going to make it very far. We're not going to go very far. Because when we have hope in our life, we feel alive. When we have hope, when we're filled with hope, we feel alive. Right? It's the same thing just with, with just looking at that gas analogy that once your car is depleted, it doesn't run anymore. It doesn't go anymore. There's no purpose in it anymore. It's done. Until there's a refilling that happens, it's just kind of done. And I look around our world right now, and guys, let's be really, really honest. There's a lot of hopelessness in our world. I mean, every single time you... You watch a news report or you pull up a website or, or every single time you look at your bank statement maybe. Every single time you think about your family dynamics and, and where the marriage is and where things are. There's just so much hopelessness in our world right now. And then you talk about Christmas. You talk about this season. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people carry hopelessness with them all year long. Right? They carry this feeling of just, there's just no way out. There's no hope. There's nothing there. They carry it into the Christmas season, but yet there are a lot of people. And statistics say that there are up to 45% of people that dread Christmas. That literally, when, whenever they walk into the season of Christmas, they pick up their hopelessness. They carry it with them, and for lots of different reasons, right? For some, it's that you lost a loved one this year, and this is going to be the first year that you don't have them with you. For some, maybe this is the first year since that divorce or since that separation. Or this is the first year that you're not going to have your kids. They're going to be at the ex's house. Or, the, or, or, or maybe this past year, business has been really, really tough. And you're just barely hanging on financially. And you're just looking at it like, you're like, man, at any moment, this thing is just going to break. It's just going to fall apart. Bankruptcy is just right there. Or, 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 or whatever it is, is just right there. Maybe my business is just not doing it anymore. And I look at 2018 and I'm just, I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless, but I just, I have no idea what I'm walking into. I have no idea what this next year looks like. For some, it's health, right? There's just health situations that you just go, man, I, over and over and over again, I've just believed and I've tried and I've, and I've gone there, but it's just, it's not getting any better. Nothing is changing. And so many people walk into this season with hopelessness, hopelessness, but hope is the answer. What all of these people need, what all, all of the people need that feel hopeless, and honestly, we can look around right now, and there are people in this room and at the Mobile campus and at the Foley campus and Baymanette campus and sitting right next to you in any place that you're in right now. We can look around and we can see people that are hopeless. And my guess is that if we were to throw that fuel gauge back up, we could, we could probably begin to find how close to E a lot of you are getting depending on those, those situations, depending on what's going on in your life. And so I wonder, what do we need? How do we get hope, right? What do we need? And the answer to this question is really interesting to me because the hope that we need is actually Christmas. 
The hope that our world needs is, is Christmas. It's a story of Christmas because Christmas in itself is true hope personified. Hope, it's the essence of hope. That is Christmas. What our world most desperately needs is actually Christmas. It's Christmas. But what it's settled for isn't hope, it's settled for hype. Hype. What our culture knows more than anything else is hype. Right? Our culture knows hype. We know how to hype something. We know how to take something that's lacking, something that's not good enough, something that's just not quite right, and we know how to promote it and hype it and make it seem like it's exactly what we need it to be. It's a false form of hope. It's a false way of looking at it. And we know this because I'm a big movie guy. I love movies. And, and you know, there was recently a movie that came out that they put millions of dollars into marketing, right? All this promotion, all this hype that was trying to redeem this movie ultimately. And I walked into this movie, and I'm not going to say which one it is, but I walked into Justice League, and it was literally <laughs> the biggest disappointment of my life, right? I mean, it was absolutely horrible terrible but there was all this hype and all this fluff and all this stuff that it's gonna be amazing but yet it's not a lot of you do this on facebook right when it comes to your marriages when it comes to your family life when it comes to your cooking you tell everyone that it's amazing right you hype it on facebook that oh i just love this guy he's so amazing he's so wonderful but on the inside and within the the realities of your marriage it's not awesome it's not amazing Right? There isn't love there anymore. There isn't all these things anymore. But yet we hype it that way. We want everyone to know. Why? Because hype isn't real. What's real? Hope is real. But we've settled for this false version of hope that's just simply hype. But the very core of Christmas, it's hope. Hope is what Christmas is all about. Let me give it to you really, really simple. Hype is empty. It's lacking. Right? It's trying to cover up something that's just not good enough. But hope is full. Hope sustains. Hope has substance. Hope gets me to the next day, gets me to the next point. It leads me somewhere. Why? Because it is a confident expectation. It's not a confident expectation because it's on my confidence. It's a confident expectation because it's built on something that already happened. Right? I can have this confident expectation because Christmas already happened. Not the way we celebrate Christmas, right? But Christmas in itself, the true hope of the world has already come, has already arrived, is already here. Right? And all we do is we settle for this false version of hope. We settle for hype and we think that that's going to get us there. That that's going to get us to the next season, to the next place, but it's not. What's interesting to me is that Christmas, um, Christmas is the only Christian holiday that is massive in our culture easily the biggest holiday in our culture. Am I right? Right? I mean, we just keep coming up with new ways to make Christmas bigger, right? It does keep getting earlier and earlier into the year. We keep coming up with elves on shelves and more Pinterest idea. We just, like, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Why? Because at the core of Christmas is actual hope. And I look at it, I go, man, the world is so close. Culture is so close to hope, but we just keep hiding it under all these layers and layers and layers of hype. And if we could just get, man, I'm all for fun, I'm all for, for tra traditions, and all for all this stuff. But if we miss out of why Christmas is Christmas, 
then we miss out on the hope that we need to make it to tomorrow and next year and the next season and the next promise and the next thing that God wants to do in us and for us. Christmas is hope. Christmas is the hope of the world. It is hope personified. And everywhere, every campus, everywhere you go, work, um, your life, the ball field, everywhere you look, you see people that are depleted of hope. And what they need most is Christmas. What they need most is Jesus. You know, there are three types or three reasons for hopelessness. Did a little research, and these are the three reasons. Alienation, rejection, kind of detachment, people that feel insignificant, alone, separated. The second one is despair. People that literally feel like they're just trapped, they're stuck, like there's no way out. This situation, this problem, this place that I find myself in, man, it's just, it's hopeless. There's, there's no way out of this thing. I'm stuck. I'm doomed. And the third thing is disappointment, deep disappointment, unmet expectations, unfulfilled promises, just where you just feel like, man, this is not the life I signed up for. This is not the marriage I signed up for. This is not where I thought I would be when I was 40 or 50 or 60. This is not what I thought would be happening in my life at this point. And we just live a disappointed life. And these things lead toward disappointment. And I'll tell you why. And here's the question that I'll ask is what fills us with hope? What fills us with hope? The reason why these things exist in our world is because what we've tried to fill ourselves with is our own truth, our own reality, our own, our own expectations, our own world. Because what we do is we put our hope in what we can actually control, what we can actually manage, what we can actually fix, what we can actually do. And it's a circumstantial hope. I'll say it this way. It's a horizontal hope. It's a hope that's built on what you can manage and what you can do and what you can line up and what you can put together and what you can build, right? It's built on something other than true, divine hope, vertical hope. And the hope that we place everything in, this circumstantial hope that's up and down and it's a roller coaster ride, this, this circumstantial hope that we put everything we've got in, it's ultimately hype because it's not real. There's no substance. It won't hold you up. It won't get you to the next day. It won't fuel your life. What fuels your life is when you get hope from a divine source, vertically. And you get a confident expectation that's built on what's already been done for you. I would say this, what fills you with hope is truth, the truth, not your truth, not your reality, not your circumstances, but the truth, the divine truth, the absolute only truth of what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Christmas, he came, he arrived, he, he came into this place. And there's this thread that runs through the Christmas story that just, that I wanna pull out, I wanna, I wanna paint a picture for you for the next few minutes of where we can put our hope, where we can find hope, this vertical, this divine, this real hope, where it lies. There's a verse in Romans 8, uh, that says this, Paul writes this to the church in Rome. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, for, any, for the, those of us that have been in church for any amount of time, um, we read a verse like this, we read a scripture like this, and we think that this means that as long as we love God, then everything is going to be good. 
then, then everything should be good, that everything should work out, that just because I love God or, in other words, go to church, that everything's just supposed to fall into place and to be super neat and perfect and wonderful. And the moment that it's not, the moment that I hit a storm, the moment that my finances fall apart, the moment that I feel, feel hopeless, I go, well, I guess he's just not as good as he says he is. And we begin to back up, we begin to walk away, but that's not what this verse means. What this verse means, Paul looks at it and he says, no matter where you are in life, no matter what storm you're walking through, no matter how bad the season is, no matter how bad the moment is, no matter how bad the last decade has been, God will walk through that with you and redeem it for good. He will ultimately bring you through this funk, through this mess, through this thing. And what he's going to do is he's actually going to make something good from it. He's going to redeem it. He's going to make something beautiful from that mess. So let me just boil it down and say it like this, because this is where we need to place our hope. This is the truth that we need to place our hope in. And I'll say it this way, and I hope this sticks in your mind. And it's this. If it's not good, God's not done. If it's not good... God's not done. Wherever you are right now, whatever situation you're in, if your eyes are looking to him and you're looking for divine hope, the divine hope, the truth that you can rest in is this right here. If it's not good, then God's not done. My responsibility, my job is to keep my eyes up, my eyes locked onto him and believe that no matter how bad the storm is, that he's going to lead me and guide me through it. And in the end, he's going to use this storm as a catalyst for good in my life. Something positive is going to come from this. Something beautiful is going to come from this mess. It's going to be redeemed in the end. And we see this all the way through the Christmas story. All the way through the story, I want to point out two parts of the story that really bring this to life today. And the first one is Mary. Man, we, we love Mary, right? It's, it, it, other than Jesus, like it's all about Mary. Right? There's just something about Mary. It's just so amazing, so beautiful. But if you look at her story, it's really not that beautiful, and it's not that amazing. Mary was roughly 14 to 16 years old. She was very, very young, and she was, and she was in a small town. The town of Nazareth, they say, was roughly 150 to 200 people. So what we would call that a small, like a one-light town, right? We would call that a one-caution-light town, right? Probably a gas station with a subway in it. You know what I'm talking about? You don't eat there. I don't eat there, right? Somebody eats there. They stay open. But anyway, that's the town she lives in. But here's the thing. We know that later on in the Gospels, we hear this phrase that nothing good comes out of Nazareth. So here's this young girl in a nobody town that's way separated, that nobody nobody even believes in the 150 people that live there, much less the 15-year-old girl. And yet in this moment, look at this story, this beautiful story of how God comes to her through an angel and speaks to her. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Now, just, let's just put this in real world talk for a second. Imagine Mary walking into the pantry and there being a nine-foot glowing angel okay you can everybody picture that you see that right she just just be bopping along one day going in for a granola bar right open up to the pantry ah right this is what's happening she's terrified she's scared the lord is with you he says and mary's like whoo thank goodness all right scare me got that sword mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her don't be afraid mary 
you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. You are to call him Jesus. Here's this child from a nobody town. Nobody knows this girl. She's just any old girl. And yet God looked at her, and he chose to bring the Savior of the world through her, through a miracle, through something absolutely incredible. And all the way through this story, you see that this is a picture of you and I. Not only was she chosen, see, she was alienated, she was separated, she was alone, she was rejected, and yet God chose her. Right in the middle of all of that, God chose her to bring his son, to bring life into the world. Each and every one of us have the exact same story, the exact same story. Jesus chose to come into this world to find you. He went on a search and rescue mission to find you and I, to find us. You know, anytime I'm shopping and you get the whole family and the whole big deal going, um, one particular kid, again, Nora, she loves to go and hide in the clothes racks. Right? She loves to get in the center of the clothes racks, and she initiates a game of hide-and-seek without informing the parentals that this is what we're doing. Right? And so she hides there, and she just, she's quiet. I could be three feet away screaming her name. She's not going to say a word. Right? Terrifies me, 911, police, the whole deal. Okay, seriously, it scares me, right? She's just playing this game. But here's the truth. I would never stop looking for her. 30 minutes go by, an hour go by, an hour and a half go by. I would not stop looking for her. I would continue to look for her. And the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all, we've all gone away from God. We've all separated ourselves from God. But through Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, we are redeemed. We are found. It says that Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one. So no matter how alienated and separated and alone and just, just, just rejected and forgotten you feel, Jesus is with you. The story of Christmas reminds us that. That he's here and he's with us and he wants to be with you. In Matthew 1, not only does it give him the name Jesus, but it gives him the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It doesn't mean God is with us when we're at church. It doesn't mean God is with us when we're in a beautiful season of life. It doesn't mean that God is with us as long as I'm reading my Bible every day. It doesn't mean that God is with us only at certain times. It means that Jesus Christ came into this world. He arrived. The king of the world arrived on this planet to be with you. So no matter how alone you feel, alienated, separated you feel, it's not good. So God's not done. He's not done with your story. He's not done with that season of your life. Look to him and find hope in what he wants to do in you and through you in this season. No matter what that looks like right now, no matter what that alienation, that separation, that aloneness feels like, whether it is the loss of a loved one, whether it is the kid thing and the separation, whatever it is that's going on in your life, no matter what you're feeling, if it's not good, God's not done. There's more to it. So that's Mary. And then we look at Joseph. Joseph is another interesting part of the story, right? We've read this over and over again. We've heard this over and over again. But to just back up and get a little bit of the backstory of Joseph. Joseph, from this same town, right, 150, 200 people, right? He's pledged. He's, he's engaged to be married to this woman, Mary. And Mary has interesting news for him. Right? Again, this is a small town. Small town where everyone knows your 
name, and everyone knows yo business, right? Right. Everybody knows everything about everybody. They didn't even need Facebook. Town small enough. We got this, right? We're going to know everything about everybody. And this is what happens in the story. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Can we just imagine that conversation for a moment? This is before the angel came to Joseph to explain what's really happening here. So basically, Mary goes to Joseph to give him a couple bits of information. Right? Honey, I got a couple things to tell you. Have a seat. I'm pregnant, and it's the Holy Spirit's. Right? Totally awkward. So here's Joseph in this situation. Think about small town, pressure, people know everything. Right? Everybody knows everything. And here's this girl that not only stepped out on him during their engagement... Right, stepped out on him. But now she's telling people it's the Holy Spirit? Like, not only did she cheat, but she's crazy. She's straight crazy. Right? And here's Joseph in this impossible situation. Been cheated on, trying to be an honorable man, trying to be, trying to be the right guy at the right moment in an impossible, messy situation. But then, it says this, but because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What a guy. But after he had considered this, an angel, an angel of the Lord showed up, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus. So here the angel comes. We've had this moment of this just stuck, trapped, despair. Like, what am I going to do right here? And the angel shows up. But what's interesting about when the angel shows up is his circumstances did not change. But his heart did. In this moment, he realized that there is hope, that there's something beautiful that's going to come from this mess. There's something amazing that's going to come from where I am right now, this messy situation. And I don't know what's messy about your Christmas this year. But the beautiful thing about this story that we see over and over and over again is that Jesus specializes in messy situations. He specializes in coming into messy circumstances that we can't figure out a way out. We have no idea, man. I have no idea. I'm trapped. I'm stuck. I've got nothing right here. And this isn't the only time Joseph faced this. Nine months later, he faced the same exact dilemma, right? The hotel was full. The inn was full. And what happened? He had one option. It was literally a hole in a wall. It was a hole in a cave wall, most likely. Literally just this little cave in a rock wall, and this is where we're going to have the baby. But see, here's the deal. In our culture, we've made this moment beautiful, Right? We've made the nativity, the, the stable, we've made this thing so pretty. So, so pretty. I mean, the, the animals were actually looking at the camera. I mean, the baby wasn't crying. Like, everybody's standing nice. The animals are all combed and you can smell them. I mean, it's just so, so pretty. But in reality, this was an extremely messy situation. Extremely messy. They walked into a stable with nasty animals. This terrible situation where they're expecting the king to be delivered in some other kind of way. But yet this is the situation that I get. It's messy. It's ugly. 
And yet that's where Jesus arrives. Why? Because Jesus specializes in messy situations. He specializes in walking into your mess and redeeming it. Walking into your mess, walking into your problem and redeeming it and turning it and saving it. Because if it's not good, then God's not done. Wherever you find yourself right now, if it's not good, then God's not done. This is the story of Joseph. This is the story of Christmas. So right now, I look across this room and I think about every campus and I just wonder, where are you stuck? I mean, how many of us are battling with anxiety? How many of us are battling with depression? How many of us are up against financial things that we just can't control, we can't handle? I don't know what next year looks like. I don't know what what the bank account's going to look like next year. I have no idea. I just don't, don't know what to do. And it's those kind of situations that God specializes in showing up and redeeming. And guys, this is the hope of Christmas. This is the story of Christmas. Is that in the middle of the mess of mankind, the mess of humanity, the problems and the turmoil and the, and the, I mean, the people of Israel were under Roman rule and oppression. God had been silent for 400 years. They just, they couldn't even hear God's voice. There was all of this hopelessness building, a culture of hopelessness. Like, when is he going to show up? When is he going to arrive? And he did. He showed up and that is Christmas. We look out and we think, man, the, the future, gosh, it looks really, really bleak. It looks really, really dark and dim and hopeless. But the story of Christmas tells us that the future is bright. There's hope in our future. There's hope in the next season. There's hope in the next day, in the next week, in the next month. There's hope for us. Why? Because Jesus is here. If it's not good, then God's not done. No matter where you are, if you're alienated, if you're stuck and trapped, if you feel like you're just ultimately disappointed in life, listen, it's not over. If it's not good, God's not done. And we're entering the season right now that we call Advent, right? We're walking into the season, which simply means the arrival, which simply means that we're just, we're anticipating, we're awaiting the arrival of the king. But honestly, the truth is, is that the king has already arrived. Our role, our job is to choose to allow that king into our home, into our family, into our heart, into our life. To not just let this season be some hype, and be some fun, and be some this, and be some of that, but to actually get down to the core of what this season truly means, and to embrace the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, right? Our role is to choose hope over hype, to walk in that, to embrace that hope that Jesus is for each and every one of us. The problem with hype is that it's a whole lot like your Christmas tree on December 26th. Dry, busted up, shedding all over the place, and it weighs two pounds because there's nothing left. There's nothing left. What do you do with that Christmas tree? You go put it out on the road because it's useless. It's pointless. Christmas is anything but useless. Christmas is the hope that we carry into December 26th and December 27th and to 2018 and to 2019. Christmas is the hope that we know that Jesus Christ is with me today, tomorrow, and forever. That Jesus Christ will not leave me, will not forsake me. He is with me in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my problems, in the middle of wherever I find myself. He is my hope. 
And that is Christmas. So let's pray, but one last challenge. This, this Christmas season, as we walk into it together, let's choose hope over hype. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this day that we've had together. And Lord, I pray as we leave this place, God, that collectively, every single one of us at every campus, God, that we would choose hope. God, that we would be people of hope. God, that we would fill our lives up with your truth. God, that if it's not good, you're not done. You are in our life. You are a part of our life. And as long as our eyes stay looking to you, God, we will find you. And God, you will make it good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.